every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host, Manuel Fate. And as always, I am joined by all the way from Siberia, the man who loves the winter, Andrew Flint. How's it going? <laughs> not bad, not bad. I've been waiting for this pod for three, four months now and finally it's here. So um, I'm a very happy man. Even, even at this ungodly early hour out in Siberia, of 9 a.m., I'm I'm still happy to drag myself out of bed for you boys. So it's uh, it's a pleasure to be back here. <laughs> Ungodly hour of 9 a.m. That's practically afternoon. I don't know what you're talking about, but um, <laughs> yeah, sure. You be you, Andrew. I, I I know you like to sleep in like a little Russian bear. But Tim, speaking of Russians, how are you doing? How is uh, Vancouver? Um, are you under quarantine yet? No, I'm not, but we're expecting uh, to get this famous uh, coronavirus here uh, very, very soon, and we'll see how that affects uh, the life, because Vancouver is a very international city. Otherwise, life is great. Uh, we haven't done a podcast in a while, but we are back. We've been busy with a whole bunch of different uh, personal uh, stuff, and we'll tell probably the listeners some of that. Uh, but yeah, the Russian League is back, so we're back, and we're very excited to talk about a whole bunch of very, very interesting stuff. So here we go. I'll take full responsibility for um, the delays in podcasts. I've been uh, on the road a lot, and it's very difficult to record regularly on the road. So uh, if you've been waiting for the podcast for a while, I, I apologize. Um, that said, we have lots of very, very interesting topics coming up. And um, I'll take this first one to you, Tim, in our short news section. Fedor Smolov is in Spain. Fedor Smolov is playing. Fedor Smolov is scoring. Um, tell us about that. Exactly, yeah. So it's a little bit like uh, old news because uh, Fedor Smolov moved to Celta Vigo quite a while ago. But uh, he scored at Bernabeu and he really, really spiced up, spiced up the title race in Spain um, because really Real Madrid lost points against Celta. Uh, then uh, they lost the game against Levante and then Barcelona ended up being on top before the Clasico and everyone knows how Clasico went. But uh, that's Fedor Smolov. Fedor Smolov rolls in it. He scored on Bernabeu, and he just been doing good. He's playing. He he doesn't play full ninety minutes because obviously, uh, as our listeners know, that Russia has a massive, massive break. 
between the two halves of the season, so almost four months. And um, when Fedor Smolov moved into Spain, he was in the very beginning of his training session with Lokomotiv. He's obviously not in 100% physical conditions, so I expect him to, you know, have those problems of being out of form. But regardless, he gets his minutes, he plays, and he scored Bernabeu also, uh, one of the Miranchuk brothers. Uh, did an interview and he says that uh, Fedor Smolov has been absolutely ecstatic about being uh, experiencing La Liga and he actually says yeah guys you should you, you should think of coming here so Fedor Smolov is happy he is doing great in Spain and uh, his team is doing better they're out of relegation battle and they yeah they're doing good so good luck for Fedor and hopefully he will be in good form uh, for Euro 2020 if he get a call up uh, fantastic stuff and um you know why wouldn't you be happy be in spain um <laughs> it's it's warm weather usually quite good food uh, i love the rocha you know big wine drinker so um why wouldn't you why wouldn't you love it um la liga isn't too bad either so you know all along all pretty good um andrew one of your favorite cities kazan is going to host the 2023 uefa super cup now my question i have for you mm. Um, ahead of this, are Kazan going to be allowed to play in this co- in any of the UEFA competitions by the time this competition comes around? Well, uh, short answer, yes, they will. I mean, it's uh, the the ban that came along. Um, we're still to see the appeal to come into process, but the fact that UEFA are announcing it, they <laughs> they're not going to announce it unless they are certain that they're going to be able to do it. So. Um, I think it's a I think it's a good step because it's it's a low key event, it's a one off event, but it is still a decent showcase piece for the Kazan Arena, which has not really seen that much action. It's barely had much Premier League action this season. Rubin have played at the Centrale quite a lot. So, you know, when you've got a, a stage like that that is it's to be honest, it's seen a lot of other events prioritised over football since the World Cup, which has been a bit disappointing in my view. Uh, it's good to see a, a big showcase event come along. Um, and it will be, yeah, it'll, I'll be there. I'll be reporting for Football Grad. I'm already planning it three and a half years in advance. But, um, yeah, it should be, it should be a good, good occasion for Russian football, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, the Super Cup, uh, 2023, that's such a long time from now. And who knows what's going on by then. Um, let's, let's get through this pandemic first before we start planning, shall we? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Andrew, I'm going to stick with you. VER is next on our list. Um, am I seeing this correctly? It's now at all Russian Premier League games. No, that's, a, that's, that's, that's nice. Um, you know, you would, that's not how we used to. No. It, right. Um, something new, something very unexpected. So you, you're telling me all the games are getting the same treatment from now on? I, it's it's uh, money. Prepare yourself for this. Finally, a bit of logic has come into Russian football governance. <laughs> we will in, we will indeed see some consist. Well, when I say consistency, just simply the same system, whether it's used well or not, it will at least be the same for all games. Which um, whether you like VAR or not. It is an all-or-nothing thing, isn't it? I mean, it's, it, that's a fairly obvious point to make. I'm not saying I advocate VAR itself personally, but um, whether you do or not, you need to have it the same, and now it will be. It's been used, uh, I think, quite well this weekend. Uh, there were a couple of incidents that were the correct decisions. They were surprising at the time, um, but uh, we had a we had a red card overturned for a foul that was a foul earlier in the move. It was the right call. 
Um, and I was at Krasnodar against Ufa, and Krasnodar were awarded a penalty late on. And it looked like a complete... I didn't even know what it was for at the time. They didn't show the replays, obviously. Um, well, I say obviously. I don't know if other leagues do or not, but they certainly don't in Russia at the moment in stadiums. Uh, but the replay showed it was very clearly a handball. The arm was outstretched. Penalty was given. And actually, ironically, the penalty itself was saved at first by uh, Alexander Belenov from Ari because Belenov was off his line and Ari finally scored the retaken uh, penalty. So it was about five minutes or so from when the first decision was made to when play started again. But the purpose of VAR, again, I'm not saying you should support VAR itself or not, but VAR worked how it was supposed to work. So personally, I think it's a very positive step. Andrew, just a question to you. Uh, first of all, was it your first experience uh, being in a stadium and uh, experiencing VAR? And in that sense that people say that, you know, when you're watching a game on a, on a TV screen, mm. at least you know what's going on. Uh, and when you're watching as a fan, you have no idea what's going on. Could you please talk a little bit about your experience at Krasnodar? Yeah, I mean, the the screens, well, you know, the screens at Krasnodar Stadium that goes all the way around the top of the stadium, it's a spectacular thing. And they said straight away, they did say possible penalty. They didn't say what for, like possible handball penalty. But I think that's consistent with most leagues, as, as far as I understand. They will simply say possible penalty. They won't say exactly what for. Some leagues, um, man who possibly can confirm this, the Bundesliga, does it show replays or not? I don't know. Um, but we didn't show replay in the stadium here, but it's uh, the referee went straight over to the screen on the side of the pitch. He took about, I'd say about 30, 40 seconds, um, which was a bit longer than I thought probably was necessary, having seen the replay later on. But still, it wasn't too bad. Um, and the crowd didn't seem to be too disappointed with it. And obviously they weren't because it was for their team. But the actual waiting was, it was a bit longer than I would have liked. But I don't think it massively detracted from the atmosphere because it was a, I mean, it was a very full capacity crowd, almost 30,000 fans. And I, overall, I thought it was, yeah, of course, I'd like it to be quicker. But overall, the experience was, I think, satisfactory. We got the right decision and it, it didn't take, too long really mm, nice i also wanted to add on this point that um it's uh, the vr in russia is done the same as in england so it's kind of like stockley park uh, situation mm -hmm. and in moscow they sit in this room and then they watch the games so it's uh, how you call it external or uh yeah but uh so it's pretty much done like this and to be honest yeah like it's the first time then uh for some russian referees they're doing that so i expect there will be some delays but yeah i Good, good to hear that it was a good experience. So, uh, Tim, when you said um, it's done the same way as in England, I didn't expect you to say Stockley Park, but said uh, poorly. Because... <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, as a, I do watch. Obviously, I'm English. I'm the Manchester United fans you boys know, and I do Must get involved hard. with the VAR debate. Um, but I just, I, I don't know. I think, I think it's disappointing that it's got off to such a poor start in England. Not VAR's fault, but people's understanding of it. People are very resistant to change in English football, um, in my opinion. So uh, I'm going to ignore that. Surprise, surprise gonna... about English people, eh? No, 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 no. What are, you, what are you talking about? We're not set in our ways. We're not in, um, you know, an old empire that is struggling to shake off its inglorious past. I don't know what you're talking about, Tim. <laughs> 
yeah, enough bashing the English. They have enough problems as it is. Um, yes, we do. Finding, <laughs> you know, uh, sorting papers for Brexit, finding nurses to um, survive the pandemic. And apparently their prime minister is missing as well. So, yeah, leave the English alone, guys. They're, they're having enough issues. No, they, 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 is. Money, money, money. That's a positive. If Boris Johnson is missing, that's a positive. Okay. Well, see, there you go. It's already looking up. Um, do, do we do, do about the, uh, I think, uh, Bundesliga does it too. It's the bunker in Köln. Um, in some leagues, MLS, for example, the, the VR room is actually on site. Um, various ways of doing it, um, in North American sports in general. If it's not MLS, it's usually centralized. Um, NHL, for example, it's the action room in Toronto. I, I think it doesn't really matter. To be quite honest, whether the VER is on site or not, you have to get it right. Um, is human error always going to be a factor? Yes. So, uh, you know, it's just how it is. But, um, speaking of video, YouTube subscription nice. to see all RPL games plus two of them in English. And I understand a friend of ours, Alexei Jaroszewski, if he still listens to this, uh, he better, um, is involved in this. Who of you boys wants to take that? Well, I'll, I'll, I broke the news, um, technically on the RPL website. So I'll go for this one. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, we've had RPL games on YouTube for free, um, using about four or five games a weekend for the, for this season, for most of the season anyway. Um, mostly as an experiment and a lot of uh, research and data was taken from it and analyzed who was listening, who was watching, how much interest there was. And yeah, so from, from now on, from this weekend coming up, game week 21, you can have a subscription. All games will have commentary and two of them you have a choice, like you say, English or Russian, if you buy the, the two levels of subscription, one is just for the two games in English and another is for all games in Russian plus the two in English. And, uh, Mr. Yaroshevsky was on commentary duty last weekend for the Moscow derby, um, the Dynamo against Spartak and then straight yeah. afterwards for Zenit against Lokomotiv. And by all accounts, he did a, a fantastic job. I, of course, couldn't listen because this is only for outside Russia. So in any other country, one of our listeners to the pod, good news is the stream is improved from earlier in the season, and you now have a very, very experienced commentator. So it's it's good news for the exposure of the league, and I think it, is, it had to happen at some point, and I think the, mate, the way they've done it on YouTube, which, by the way, the first major league to do a full overseas broadcast on on youtube making use of the membership scheme uh, i think it's a sensible way forward it makes it the most accessible way instead of a, a broadcast deal which would have very little value at this point on tv um, but this is the way to get it out there i'm really curious who will provide this commentary in english beside alexei Rashevsky. Because, yeah, it's really curious because, yeah, the other, um, who will be, because I know there's Mr. Bradley who lives in England, who actually, I think he does commentary in England for some of the Russian games or something like that. So I'm just really curious. Maybe we have our buddy Andrew Flynn doing this sometime. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm not going to lie. It would be a very, very tempting, tempting opportunity. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the commentary is all done in, in Moscow in Ostankino Tower. So unfortunately, the commute would be a bit far for me at the moment, mm -hmm. but, um, they're also actually one little extra. There's also going to be a review show in English, um, during the week, which subscribers can get. So, you know, a lot of 
comments I've heard, we, we love Russian football. We will watch it anyway. But the people who are curious, who want to find out more about yeah. it, the, the common theme I've heard is, well, I, I've watched a game, but I don't know anything about it. I don't know the background behind the players. So, you know, a review show is a good step forward, I think. So hopefully we'll see see how that goes. Very good, because like I can relate to that. I'm really very interested in Mexican League and the Copa Libertadores, but without really a review show, it's really, really hard to really to understand what's going on and who is like who is the good team, yeah. and who is the bad team, and like I can really relate to. Uh, but on the other note, uh, let's uh, re- reveal the big success of Andrew Flint and your absolutely new super role in the Russian Premier uh, League. And uh, congratulations on this, my, my friend. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Thank you. Um, I, I, I'll be honest, it is, it's, it's pretty much my dream job. The only way it could be better is if it was the equivalent for the PFL or Al Pavolja. But, <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I don't think there's going to be quite enough money in that for me. So, but yeah, no, the, uh, Russian Premier League website's got a, it's got a revamp and I'll be doing the English content on there. I've got lots of plans I'm discussing for next season as well. So hopefully I'll help play my part in improving the exposure of the Russian Premier League, uh, overseas. So. Keep, uh, keep tuned. If you need English opinions on one of the biggest, if not the biggest uh, club from Moscow, uh, you have a buddy. <laughs> Whatever that could be. But um, <laughs> now that we've already been talking about the Russian Premier League, I mean, we've got a new YouTube channel, we've got a proper English editor uh, in Andrew Flint, who's hopefully also going to be on television very soon. And it also appears that Andrew Flint is going to get paid because um, they have a new title sponsor, Andrew um, Tinkoff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I, I I know when you know when you read all of these marketing blurbs about a new sponsorship agreement, and it's all very corporate speak, and you you, you tend to gloss over it. And um, I'm not going to go into. I'm going to make us explicit of... right now. It's all bullshit. But keep going. <laughs> Well, basically, I, I kind of ninety nine percent agree with that. But if all you know, if you're looking at a sponsor for a league, the for one of the first things I would look at is I would rather it not be a betting company. I'll be honest. Um, I have bet in the past, but I think it is it's a very unhelpful, uneasy marriage. I know betting funds a hell of a lot of sports journalism and the media industry in this in our area, but. A bank is a relatively inoffensive uh, company, I think. Um, the new branding being bright yellow is probably not to everybody's taste, but it's recognisable. That's something. Um, and Tinkoff being a sort of a you know a relatively modern digital type of company, I think it's uh, it, it, rel- it ties in a little bit with the image that the Premier League are trying to promote. So I think all in all, a title sponsor means money, which is good. Um, a relatively inoffensive company, also good. I, I've got nothing against overseas companies, but I always rather see a league sponsored by a company from within that country. It's, it's a small thing, but I, I, I personally, I'm quite comfortable with it. Um, so yeah, good to see. Andrew, a, a question for you, and I'm not sure if this is the correct equivalent, but would you call, uh, Tinkoff? Who is that? Who is the owner of the bank? Is he kind of equivalent uh, Russian version of Richard Branson because he does so many different things? Um, 
I, I guess he's not entirely dissimilar. Uh, I mean, if you mention Richard Branson's name in England, then <laughs> you won't get a particularly favourable response because he's... Uh, no, I mean, as a business person who does a whole bunch of different uh, businesses. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the, that, in that, that I, guess, I guess that probably is a, a relatively close um, comparison. I mean, if you, if you look at what Richard Branson's done with Virgin, they've done pretty much everything from music to space travel, so... Um, it's, it's a, it's an interesting, interesting fella. And, and I think actually, um, he has some interesting views on the reform of the, of, you know, the Russian league system, the Russian cup and everything. So, uh, at least he has an opinion. I'd rather have somebody who has an opinion whether I agree or not about it than to be completely disinterested. So, yeah, I think it's, uh, I mean, quite interesting to be honest. Yeah, also one of, one of one of the interesting things because Tinkov himself he did an interview a few years ago and he really really bashed and criticized Russian football players because he says I just don't understand and he used the word which will put us maybe put us explicit but it's it's in Russian uh, he used the word well I don't know how to translate it in English but he says like they look like morons kinda because he said they all look like all the Russian players look all the same and he really like talked down them. Uh, and that was one of the side of things because he also a big um, uh, fan of um, velosport. How's velosport? Like the bicycle sport. And he has a team who which he sponsors. So he kind of defended that and said like everyone should be watching uh, my team instead of those idiots playing soccer. And now he is uh, the one of the people who's supporting the league. So that's why it's a little bit controversial. But who cares? He he, he gave the league the money and maybe he changed his opinion and he will will be good for the Russian league. I'm an avid cycler. Um, oh yeah, this one. Sorry, this this is the word. Like, sorry, cycling. Yes, fell. but that said, I I think I rather watch watch grass grow than other people cycling. So, <laughs> yeah, I I kind of with you on that. I, I admire cyclists. Well, I, I admire cyclists who who don't dope, which in other words means I don't admire cyclists. But um, the actual sport, doing it, like you say, Manu, doing it is great. Watching it. It's extremely difficult. I have the utmost respect for anyone climbing up a mountain. I do it regularly and it's, it's very, very hard. So I, I'm not bashing the cyclists. I'm just saying it's not a sport that's very easy to watch. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sorry if this is a controversial opinion. I don't think it is, but Mr. Tinkoff, I think your investment in football is uh, much uh, more likely to actually pay off. Not sure how to bridge this now. I had one there, but I don't. So I'm just going to say it straight out. Yashin's wife visited a new Dynamo Stadium, um, which isn't the Himki, guys. That's good. Yes. I mean, yeah, it's, I, yeah. Andrew. <laughs> Look, that, that, that's good enough, Mari. That's a headline. It isn't Himki. That is cause for celebration. <laughs> Honestly, that, that is all we need to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's all we need yeah, to know. No, so, I, Andrew, I'm gonna just give this straight to you because I I know you will have an opinion on this. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like you say, I I think that that is just the pot in its own. Just the fact that um, Dynamo no longer playing in that um, ungodly hellhole in the corner of Moscow. I do want to likes. point um, out that we've done that pot, so do you do not need to spend the next forty minutes. Talking yeah, okay, about okay. This. I, I don't, I don't think it's news to any of our listeners that um, that particular team is not our favourite. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I was at, I was at the game. It was my first time at um, the VTB Arena, which is it I better than what, Well, uh, you know what? It's going to surprise you, Tim, but I think it just about shades it. It's just a little bit better, even than Kimki. Now, honestly, it's it's not news. Anybody's seen a picture or heard anything about it, you'll know it's an unbelievable 
venue it has the hockey arena which is converted designed to be converted into a music venue and they have huge names coming to play there and the football itself well it's it's also one very pleasing thing about it is it's a sustainable size capacity is only about 25 30,000 which is i think just about right um before the game um uh mrs yashin uh, was was uh, given the microphone and she made a love speech and she was very well received by both fans and she really was quite quite passionate i thought well it was great to see that level of respect because during the game you want rivalries of course you do but when you've got a an icon as universal as Lev Yashin, uh, he transcends rivalries like that. And Spartak fans were incredibly respectful. They applauded every word she said. And it just set a good note for me before the game. So, good. Uh, it was good to see. And so, yeah, yeah, it was um, a good, good tone. Good tone. Um, speaking of good tone or good draw, Tim, Russia, <laughs> Nations League. What do you think of, I mean, first of all, yeah, why is this competition still around? <laughs> like, <laughs> seriously. Um, but yeah, it is still around. But Tim, Nations League, uh, I give it to you because I know Andrew loves it. So I, I, I want to have a more measured response. Um, well, to be, to be honest, I'm also kind of pro, pro Nations League. What is wrong with you people? <laughs> If you compare it straight to the friendlies, but, uh, but yeah, <laughs> let's take away this argument. Just the Russian Nation League's draw, uh, Russia will be playing with Hungary, Turkey, and Serbia. I think this is a very, um, even draw because, you know, Turkey and Serbia, probably the countries historically in the past 20 years are the same uh, size in Russia, but um, interesting. So I think it will be, and I also, it's different. There's like, um, the, the groups are slightly different. I think there's more teams per group. Um, so yeah, like I still don't, to this day, I still don't understand how you can qualify to Euro from that uh, Nations League thing. So hopefully it will help Russia somehow in terms of qualifying for, for the next big European tournament. But here we go. Hungary, Turkey, and Serbia. I think it will be interesting because the teams are even and um, it will be interesting to watch. Hopefully, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes, turns out. Mano not, not impressed. No, not <laughs> but I, I know Andrew will have an opinion on it, but um, I don't want to hear it. So gonna... <laughs> I thought that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to just go straight to the, the Rush Premier League. When the Nations League comes around, um, we, you got we, no choice then, man. We can talk You'll about have to it let me then. Go on about yes, yes. Sure. <laughs> um, you know, I I have some issues with it. I have issues with the sheer volume of games this extra competition means. But I think we've done a podcast on this as well. So let's just move on because we have other things to discuss. Um, so Russian Premier League clubs are all out of the Champions League. And they, their glorious solution to this problem has that they designed a trophy that looks exactly like the Champions League trophy. Now, um, if that's cool, right, Andrew? Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I, I'm quite, I'm quite fond of older traditional trophies, and uh, the the Russian, oh, well, not that it's particularly old itself, but the the previous Russian Premier League trophy, I thought was quite unique in the sense that it was. Like mostly glass, it had the figures on the top. Um, yeah, it was quite tall, quite a grand looking, solid looking trophy. I quite liked it. And um, this new one will take getting used to, if I'm being brutally honest. 
But um, I think it all ties in with the all of the changes that are going on with the you know, new sponsor. They're trying to rebrand the league to be more accessible, more appealing to other other uh, countries, other markets. So, I mean, the trophy itself doesn't really matter, let's be honest. If you win, you, you don't really care which trophy it is you're holding. Um, but the trophy itself, I think, is it might grow on me, um, perhaps. And um, just hopefully I'll see Eric McFalvey's hands lifting it one day. But uh, I'm not holding him, holding my breath on that one, to be honest. I, I wouldn't either. Um, I, I like you, Andrew, and I don't want you to die. But um, Tim, your thoughts on this <laughs> That's trophy? Very fun. Uh, yeah, the trophy looks nice. I, uh, Andrew actually was in the stadium uh, watching that because that the stadium, the game was, was the trophy was presented at the Dynamo Spartak game. So Andrew was like the closest out of all of us uh, to the trophy. So maybe Eric, Eric Bivalvi will lift the trophy one day. Uh, but uh, the I, I, I actually like it. I think it looks nice. Mm, um, I'm not a big fan of those uh, old Soviet uh trophies which look like a vase for flowers uh but uh, this one looks a little bit more modern and uh, i quite like it and i like the yellow color co uh color i like the glass ball yeah it's a little bit more classic but uh, i think this this one didn't they have to bring it back too like for a while they had a different one and then they I brought the, back this the cup the cup is like that right andrew knows because his team was in the cup for so many times yeah but they never won it Oh, well, he still saw it. He guess from the distance. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, I am going to see, I am going to see your hands on another trophy. Don't you worry. We will, we will. Or Chiman, even, for that matter. Oh, yeah, oh, those, yeah, yeah, yeah. those, those winter tournaments in the middle of nowhere in Turkey don't count, Andrew. <laughs> oh, that's not fair. That's what I was banking on. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, so we got a new trophy that. I, I just saw a picture of it. I wouldn't say Champions League trophy. I would say like Champions League, but handball Champions League. Uh, it's got the cool bear on it. I guess that's sweet. Um, yeah, I'm sure some designer got paid a lot of money for it, <laughs> um, which is always nice to see. Uh, so we got a new trophy. We got English language commentary on two games per week. We already covered this, right? Um, the YouTube broadcast subscription, we covered that. We got a new sponsorship. So let's talk about the games because we actually had some football as well. And we had quite a few games. We had all the games and, uh, let's just, you know, kind of hit them game by game as, you know, as, as we discussed them. First result, Krillia against Orenburg, 1-1. Um, boys, I don't really know if either one of you really supports either one of these teams. I don't think so. <laughs> but I know, I know that Tim loves the army of Senate teams that exist in this league. So I'm going <laughs> to give it to you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Orenburg, yeah, save, uh, yeah, got a point away to Krilia. Um, yeah. They're obviously gonna give 100% in the next game when they against, uh, them they play against Zenith. It's gonna be such an even match and it's gonna be totally fair. Uh, but speaking <laughs> of that game, that was a, <laughs> a Friday opening match. And, um, you know, just overall, because I watched the highlights of all games and I uh, watched obviously Spartak game, but like overall vision that I already talked about it on the pod and we all talked about it that the World Cup, um, how we call it, the, the World Cup um, legacy lives on 
honestly, it was such a pleasure to watch those highlights because I've been following the Russian league since 1992, since the first season. And I remember those uh, February games, which were absolutely disgusting. They played in the dirt covered in water and puddles, and it was not a football. And Krylia Arinburg, I would never ever thought that in the uh, February, that was the last day of February, that those two teams will play a, a, a watchable game on TV. And it was just absolutely fantastic. Really, I think that's, uh, that the whole idea of this World Cup legacy really li- lives on. And if we really, I'm scrolling down for all the games, all those games were played on very nice stadiums. And I think this really, really, that when we, when we, I remember when we were talking about the, uh, the World Cup and like how English media talked about the hooliganism and tried to picture it in a negative way. This legacy is absolutely beautiful. Andrew, do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. It was, um, it, it is, it is fantastic to see these stages being used. I mean, some of them, yes, will have issues with being filled to capacity and probably never will be, but a lot of them, and again, it goes back to what I mentioned about, um, the VTB arena with Dynamo, the amount of money they spent on it, they could have been tempted to say, well, we're going to have a 45, 50,000 capacity. They didn't. They went for a sustainable amount. And Odd Kriti Arena is, again, it's the right amount for Spartak, the most popular side in the country by a mile. So they need to fill, or very nearly fill, their stadium a lot. But even, you know, you go down to the likes of uh, Cosmos or Samara Arena, it's... It is an unbelievable venue. All of the World Cup venues are absolutely sensational. Um, and the fans are probably not going to fill them, all of them, but they are going to create a much better spectacle on TV and for match-going fans themselves. It's, and the grass it just is green. feels more professional. Yeah. Green grass is no, nice. I- yeah, that's like again, like we can put on so many pictures from the early 90s uh, winter games. And it looked well disgusting. And like, this, oh, this is unbelievable. I, I, I like being nostalgic and look, like when I did my PhD research, I watched all these old videos. Some of them even were in color. But, um, Andrew, I'm going to give you this next one. CSKA against Ural 1-1. Thoughts? Are you closer now to winning this imaginary trophy of yours? We can make you one, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you, if you could make us one for the sort of the, Outside the top six trophy, then um, we'll win that hopefully. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I tell you what, though, Everton Cup. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. That would be an appropriate name for it. Exactly, we'll win the Everton Cup. I promise. Um, but uh, Ural um, have have never beaten CSK Moscow. They, in fact, they lost. I think it's eleven before this game. They lost eleven out of the thirteen meetings with them, and. The last time, I believe, it was 4-0. Uh, and we've lost heavily, at least the last two or three times in Moscow. Um, but Oral's defence, which for about the last two years, the best part of two years, has been absolutely appalling. They still conceded the most goals in the league this year. They kept something like three or four clean sheets in the last five games before the winter break. And they just made life so difficult for Tesco. They just couldn't break Oral down. And this is with um, Nikolai Zolotov, new left-back. Um, Maciej Rilas, um, who's not really played much football at all the last few months in defence, um, won it up and it took an absolute wonder goal. Tim, you would have seen the replay, I'm sure. Um, yeah. A cross comes in and Mario Fernandez, a right back, he's in the box, in the middle of the box, chests it and then sends a sort of sideways volley flying into the top corner um, to make it 1-1. So it, it's damaging for Tiscar, um, dropping points at this stage. 
but uh, brilliant for Ural. Uh, quick question, Andrew. How much do you hate Igorachev after that last minute decision? Say, say again, how much do I hate who? Igorachev, Igorachev. Um, when they, then there, there was a last break in, and then he should have just given the ball to Pogrignac, who was like, yeah, out. yeah, the, <laughs> that, that moment, Igorachev is actually one of my favorite players, just technically. I, I, I think he is so underrated. He should be starting every game for Odal, really. But uh, he really should have passed for Grebniak. For Grebniak was not a happy man. And he doesn't look a happy no, man even when he is happy. No. So after this, <laughs> yeah, it was it was one of those two-on-one breakaways and he went for goal himself. But Grebniak would have scored. Well, I don't, I don't know if he would, to be honest, knowing his form. But um, yeah, I can understand he saw his name in headlights and thought I can get the winner late on. But um, I've got time for him still. But yeah, it was frustrating, I bet. <laughs> Boys, I want to move on to the, the derby. Dynamo Spartak. Yes. yes. Tim, okay. Go. <laughs> Spartak won 2 nothing. That was great. Uh, so Tedesco finally spent three months uh, working with the team. And the team looks way, way, way more confident and way more organized. I'm curious to hear Andrew's opinion in a, in, in a couple of seconds. But I was just very impressed with, um, with the organization. It's not ideal. It's not like a champions winning uh, team. But compared to what uh, how we suffered for the past year with Kononov and then the beginning of Tedesco, uh, there's a real improvement. Um, I just need to notice that I uh, mentioned a few players who really, really stood out. Uh, Bakayev is just in absolutely looks like he's in top form. He has been the best player of, uh, of Spartak uh, for the first half of the season. He is still doing great. He did an assist and scored a goal, and he is really looks like he will be. He will be might be the player who will be actually play a role in uh, Russia's Euro 2020. So just uh, for you know for yeah. just international football fans, he will be the player. Uh, it's very very nice to see that Roman Zobinin again uh, is returning to the best form. I watched quite a few friendly games, and he looks like he's getting getting better. And then this game, he was absolutely phenomenal. And the new player which Partak got. Uh, a very smart transfer. Uh, they got Sobole from Krylia Savetov, who is one of the best goal scorers in the league in the first half of the season. They did a smart thing. They did a loan without the obligation to buy, but there is an, uh, um, a provision to buy him. But he's been very, very active and really, really promising in the friendly matches and in this game. He did an assist with his ass uh, to for the first Bakayev's goal, and it's really what of his ass. So, but it was very, very good. Um, uh, and um, yeah, Andrew, I'm really curious to see how did the game look because on TV I can't really see the whole the whole movement of the team, the whole tactical setup, mm-hmm. which is very, very important, especially as Spartak is still playing 3-5-2, which is the um, in system where you need to see how the wing players are doing. So could you please tell your experience uh, how Spartak looked? Because I was impressed, but again, I saw the game on TV and I'm super, absolutely not biased, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, Tim, you're absolutely right to be um, effusive with your praise for your team. To me, it was the the best game under Tedesco because he just he he just looked in complete control. Uh, for me, for me, the best player on the pitch was Alexander Kral because he was absolutely key to the system they were playing. Both teams yeah. played three central defenders, um, and the difference was that Tedesco was a bit bolder. He went with two up front with Sobolev and Ezekiel Ponte, and to support them, he made Alexander Kral the single defensive midfielder. And that allowed Zobnin, and you mentioned how well Zobnin's been playing in pre-season and 
And in the derby, he was unbelievable. It's only Mohamed Bakayev, who's been on sensational form for the last 18 months, really. So that's less of a surprise. But the reason they functioned so well for me was that Kral was just absolutely everywhere. He basically kept Clinton and G and uh, Sylvester Igboom quiet for most of the game. And he, he did put a foot wrong the entire time. Um, and I, I asked him about this after the game in the, the press conference. And I said, did you think it was a risk at any stage before the game, thinking we're going into a big derby to play just Alexander Kral on his own as a defensive midfielder? And he, and he looked confused as to why I was even asking. And I thought that was interesting because he clearly has complete faith in Kral and the team and the setup. So you mentioned he's had all winter working on it. He's clearly got the confidence in the players. And I thought that was very promising for Sparta. I, I was honestly a, a brilliant performance. Dynamo had their moments. Komachenko hit the woodwork twice. But uh, I don't think they ever looked like winning, to be honest. So very impressive performance to me. Yeah, good start for Spartak. Um, let's talk about this in the next game a lot. Zenit Loco 0-0. Okay, moving on. Ahmad. Rostov 1-1. Um, nice. I love this. Not gonna spend any time on a 0-0. I'm sorry, but, um, <laughs> we are safe. Maxim, uh, Nenacho from a red card. Probably correct. And then, uh, Shomorudov top, joint top scorer now. Um, even though he hasn't scored, uh, in the last seven games. Andrew, real quick one on this. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I, I had this down as a draw, to be honest with myself, because Akhmat have drawn a lot of games recently. Um, Shimordov, I'm pleased to see him score again, because I think he, he had to work so hard at the beginning of his Rostov career to get any notice. I think he only scored about twice in his first 40 appearances or something. Um, so, yeah, it was a good result. And like you say, VAR, it was, it was one of those where it was a foul earlier in the move, Matthias Norman, and it was a foul. So VAR got it right for me there. So, yeah, it was, uh, Akhmat will be the happier, um, of the two sides, but, um, yeah, good result for, for both sides, really. Mm. Then, uh, we have to talk about the 0-0, but not because of the game, but, uh, Tim, two things. Tumbov are now playing in Nizhny Novgorod. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. And Slutsky's back. So let's talk about those two things real quick. Yeah, you know what? I expected Turubin to really start um, stronger because really they they'd made a few good investments. Uh, Slutsky obviously an experienced coach, and I was I was pretty confident that Rubin Rubin will get three points away in Tambov, especially when Tambov plays now in Nizhny Novgorod. It's uh, this is like the converse, continuation of conversation when we're talking about World Cup legacy. Uh, but Rubin Kazan, yeah, um, I expect them to be to do well. And really, like they did, they're doing so many right things and um, bringing in lots of young players. So I see Rubin potentially, potentially in the next couple of seasons being uh, Europa League contenders. But uh, looks like the first game didn't go very well. And um, but again, but another thing that's Tambov, the team which we all were saying that they're completely doomed, and I was hundred percent confident that they will be just absolutely. You know, have no chance. But uh, I think the stats is, if I'm not mistaken, they only one, they lost only one game in seven. So you know they're doing something right, even they playing away from home and um, really don't get support of the home advantage. But uh, this is interesting, and I think that makes their relegation battle even more interesting. Like you know, the team which we'll talk a little bit in a, in a second, uh, Sochi, which brought like so many, like obviously Alexander Kakorin. And Adil Rami from, you know, the French World Cup winner. 
and the player from uh, Stoke. So they really made it a uh, serious investment, but they still on the last place. And uh, that gives Tambov a little bit of uh, confidence because Tambov, um, from straight relegation, they are three points. And, um, you know, and knowing how tight is the, the table, it is, it is, it is really good news for them. So I absolutely didn't expect. I thought Tambov, since day one, they were completely doomed, but they're, as of right now, in 11th place and not even the relegation. So, uh, interesting result. I didn't expect it, but, you know, that makes the relegation battle even more interesting. No, they just need a stadium. But, um, <laughs> Andrew, you know who has a stadium? Krasnodar. It's not a World Cup stadium because, you know, oh, yes. they didn't get one, but 31,000, uh, another VAR. Galitsky closer to his dream, you're saying? Um, is that Champions League football, Andrew? Is it going to happen this year? Oh, well, I'd be, I, if I was taking Galitsky, I'd be getting really frustrated at not getting over the line. I think probably they will do. If, if you look at their recent form, has actually not been great in the sense that they've, they've drawn before the winter break, they drew like six of the last seven games. So they, a lot of dropped, missed opportunities, but it was showing at least some stability. And Ufar caused some trouble. You know, they, they didn't open the scoring until about 65 minutes in. Um, but that attendance, 31,000 for a, okay, yes, games are more important towards the end of the season. But against Ufar, it's not the biggest draw. 31,000 in a stadium. I, I, I'm just amazed. I think it's fantastic. The atmosphere was quite family friendly, should we say. I, I wouldn't, go, I wouldn't go overboard. The noise levels were good, but the actual atmosphere was, Sort of not desperately intense, but there were huge crowds. And Krasnodar's squad, don't forget, they still have a lot of injuries. Um, they were playing Kayo Pantelao at centre-back, who actually, in my view, was one of the best players of the weekend. He was absolutely fantastic. Now, he's normally a defensive midfielder, can play in defence, but they're missing Martinovic, they're missing Uros Spajic, um, but they coped, they coped okay. So their squad is good. It will only get stronger when the injuries return. Uh, Victor Klassen, Remy Cabea coming back as well at some point. So I think, yes, I'll stick my neck out. So I think they will finally get that Champions League that um, they crave so badly. And what a stadium to have it in. Yeah, the sta uh, uh, stadium needs it, right, Tim? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And speaking of yeah, on the stadium, Andrew, just want to really, I've heard so many good things about the atmosphere in Krasnodar and about the stadium and about this magnificent, uh, how you call it, the, the, the TV, how you call it, tableau in English, the TV screens, all that stuff. Yeah. Could it, you've been to two big matches, obviously, in Moscow and Krasnodar. Could you please compare and maybe not, I don't know, you probably can't say which is better, but uh, maybe difference in atmosphere between the Moscow derby and the Krasnodar game? Yeah, I mean, the both stadiums are just Absolutely breathtaking in their own ways. I think as a, you know, working for the media, I'd say Krasnodar Stadium is slightly more friendly. They, it's the only stadium I've known where the media lounge for working is literally one door away from the, from the actual tribune where we sit in the stands, which is far more logical, but no other stadium seems to do it. But the transport links are, are unbelievable. The bus stops literally outside the stadium. And this is all in Krasnodar. The park around it, all the land around it is just absolutely spotless. There are shops for food. There's the museum, the magazine, the tickets. Everything is all really Shaverma? well organized. Um, Shaverma? Uh, well, yeah, that's the downside, of course. Um, <laughs> the, the, the Shaverma was sadly lacking. Um, 
but they did have the delicious waff um, chocolate wafer biscuits that sponsored Crowds of Art. They were really nice. Um, but in terms of atmosphere, uh, for me, the the VTB Arena was was a far far better from a well, let's say from a purist point of view. It was a really intense atmosphere. Of course, it has to do with it being with Derby, but uh, I preferred the atmosphere as a fan at the VTB Arena. But the facilities at the Crowds of Art um, Stadium were, I would argue possibly the best um and and that's that's no i'm not saying that lightly given the facilities that we now have in the russian premier league but both stadiums absolutely unbelievable mm. speaking of uh beautiful facilities and great locations um Sochi boys <laughs> nice. yeah um a stadium that i have really good memories of uh, working in I've seen some fantastic games during the World Cup and um, spent some really nice time just, you know, basically sitting on the beach during the tournament as well. Um, Sochi. Tim, you already alluded to it. Spent a lot of money. Um, forcefully brought in Kokorin, kicking and streaming. Um, and yet, when you look at this result, I mean, what is it going to take for Sochi not to go down? I don't know. I don't know, my friends. Yeah, really, like, really, I'm looking at the table like now they're dead last. Uh, they're four points away from the team above them, which is st still straight relegation. And they're five points away from the team, uh, which is Ahmad, uh, place number 14, which gives you a relegation playoff with, um, 11 games to go for them. So the, the, the situation is tough, given that they have now 10 players from Zenit. Uh, which, you know, not a, you know, they're not probably the Champions League winners, but they have, they used to play in Zenit, so they're good players. Some of them played for the national team. Uh, they have now a World Cup winner in Adil Rami, who they brought from, uh, he finished his, uh, spell at Fenerbahce. They bought a player from, uh, Stoke City, which uh, Andy probably, uh, can tell us a little bit more. His name is Imbula, so he is playing now for, uh, for Sochi. And obviously Alexander Kakorin, who started the game, who scored the goal? He missed a dead and dead chance in the, in the in the first half, and then he scored a very decent goal in 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 the end. Uh, but still, they lost, and um, yeah, the, the, even like with all that transfer activity, they still in a very very tough situation. Like you said, to answer your question, I don't know if if you know if that happens until you know two three games, we can see some some very interesting uh, referee decisions in in the last game uh, for Sochi. And of course, that you know the trifecta of Zenit, Sochi, and Arenburg being sponsored or by Gazprom, so this could help as well. So we will have to see, but this could be a little bit controversial. Hmm. Controversy in the Zenit Sochi. <laughs> <laughs> never happened before, no, right? Never. Huh. Who'd have thought? Who'd have guessed it? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, to, for me, I just, I can't picture Sochi going down because just to, you got to remember to that get up. That makes two of us, Andrew. Friend. That makes two of us. Yeah, well, I think there more three of us. It's likely. <laughs> I mean, to, you got to remember as well. It's not just staying in the Premier League. Getting in the Premier League in the first place, they had, should we say, a helping hand and. In no way whatsoever am I bitter about this whatsoever in any way at all, I promise. But when FC Chumen were beating them 1-0 away in the Fish Olympic Stadium, the referee gave them one of the worst penalties I've ever seen in my life. And even the Russian authorities banned him. That's how corrupt this referee was. And yet 
Sochi were allowed to be promoted. Because like we said, do you remember, boys, we were saying when we were talking about Sochi's promotion push from the sneaking suspicion they will get promoted, if you know what I mean. And of course they did. So there's no way they're going down. Um, they do have a game in hand, don't forget. They had that game called off against Orenburg yeah. in December. Um, no that would be the the next um, next week they'll play that. I think they probably probably will win that one. Uh, and if they do, then they're back in contention. But my God, they're making hard work of it. Just you know, given all the money and signings that they're splashing at this problem, um, so it'll be a very expensive mistake if they don't get it right. No, they'll get it right. You know, someone will someone will not get the license. A couple of teams will like not want to go uh, up, and um, a little bit of restructuring to the league of eighteen teams. Voila, problem solved. But boys, um, that does it. We're done. First podcast after the winter break in the books. Um, Tim, I'm gonna go to you first. What do you have planned? I mean, we haven't spoken in so long. You probably have like a lot of stuff going on right now. Yeah, exactly. Like I've, uh, I just finished an extremely busy period at work. Uh, it's called RSP season in, in Canada that ah, has yeah. to do with, with filing taxes and uh, yeah. making contributions to a pension plan, which is like mm. just insane. For me, just to give you a reference, for me was a normal day when I have three, four client appointments and I had 12, 13 for the past week. So that just like, that mm. just shows like, and when I have four, it's like a busy day. So that wasn't on my mind, but uh, the band is doing fun. Uh, we're playing quite a few shows. We're going to play a few shows in what's called Okanagan that's in uh, oh, wonderful. and wonderful. Vernon. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's going well, and I'm excited to see Spartak play against CSKA tomorrow in the Russian Cup, which is going to be a big game and a big Russian derby, which hopefully we'll discuss next uh, episode. Absolutely. And Andrew, how about you? Yeah, well, uh, my my big news is, as Tim mentioned, I'm now working for the Russian Premier League website, so I hope if people are interested, mm-hmm. just log on to the Premier League website and you'll see more content in English. We'll be doing some more interviews, match reports, previews, that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, that, and of course, most importantly, more football grad podcasts now that the season is back. Yeah, indeed. We're back. Um, and that's wonderful as we should be. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Manuel Fate. Um, I work for Transfermarkt now, so most of my content is on there. Um, yeah, that's about it. Guys, we're done. Dusted. First one in the first one done. Many more to come until next week. Das wird dann. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.